The Word in the World. You're listening to The Word in the World podcast, a resource to help make the world around you make sense. Let's zone in and share with each other our knowledge, encouragement, wisdom, and understanding. This is The Word in the World. Welcome back to the Word in the World podcast, where we bring you topics talking truth. Everything from the news to the New Testament. What's good? What's good? So welcome back, guys. We are going to go into our last episode of the Freedom Series. Mm-hmm. We didn't know if we were going to have this episode or not. Like yeah. After the Kevin Taylor episode, which was our last episode, Jason asked me, like, is this it? Mm-hmm. And when I went to go tell him, like, you know, my answer is like, I kept feeling this nudge, like, that I had to get a certain person on before we could really wrap this up. Yeah. And it wasn't just a nudge in that moment. It was a nudge that I had been having for weeks that I had kind of been ignoring because this would have been the first person that I guess like we reached out to that we didn't already have a personal relationship with. Right. But God just kept showing me her face. And I even brought it up to Jason a couple of times and then because it required me to actually talk to somebody I didn't know, <laughs> I just, I kind of stopped, you know, I, I, I didn't do it, but well, God gave me the courage to reach out <laughs> within the last um, week or so. And I'm so glad I did yeah. because she is powerful. She has a an amazing testimony. She's going to bring out some details about some things that I think we all really need to pay attention to. Yeah, for sure. You've already saw the title of this episode. If you're tuning in, this episode is going to be about freedom from domestic abuse. Yeah. Right. And this is something that I grew up around, something that I started to carry over Mm -hmm. into my own marriage, something that I see my friends and my family still suffering and dealing with. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this episode is going to help us by understanding how Christ and his word and just his way mm-hmm. just frees us from these types of things. Absolutely. So um, without further ado, <laughs> Jay always says that. Without further ado, we would like to welcome to the show Tangier Jones. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Tangier. Thank you for What's up, Tangier? Me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad you decided to come on, especially with uh, such short notice. Yeah. Because I just Perfect reached out timing. to her like... <laughs> Like what, five days ago? Yeah. Has it even been five days? (laughs) But that's interesting that she said that she was actually praying about being on the podcast and if it was God's will, you would have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Tell us about that. It's two sides to the story. Right. So it was when you had done um, your podcast with Lorena. Uh Um, I was like, oh, wow. They really get on some. They really talk about some really good stuff. I was like, I wonder if they would ever be interested in talking about domestic abuse. Mm. And I was like, but I'm not going to like try to put myself out there (laughs) and i was like lord if you know if it's your will then just let him reach out to me and i just left it at that and then like two weeks later here i am it's amazing because it's really a story of how god works right Mm -hmm. it's like we both are getting these like nudges Mm -hmm. to reach out to each other having never never talked before yeah right like i saw a lot of her posts on facebook and stuff like that and every time i would see it like Man, like she's a, a powerful Christian, you mm-hmm. know, like very scripturally sound arguments to everything, you know, that she ever talks about. I would love to have somebody like that on the show. Right. But then I'm too scared to reach out to her. Right. right. <laughs> and on the other end, she's like, God, you know, like I want to be on this show, you know. So it's amazing how God works because he he connected us, you mm-hmm. know. Well, so I saw a lot of her arguments, you know, to different 
questions on Christianity online. And then she started talking about her testimony of domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, this will be perfect for the Freedom Series that we're doing right now. And so today she's going to come on. Well, she's here. (laughs) She's here to talk about (laughs) her story of domestic abuse and how she was freed from it by her foundation in Christianity. Yes. You know, Christ just freeing her. So I guess just off the break, tell us a little bit about who you are. Just Mm -hmm. first, like where you're from and, you know, where you grew up and. So I'm from Alexandria, Virginia. That's where I grew up. So I'm from mm-hmm. this area. I'm currently living in Maryland. Graduated from Florida a University. Okay. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> it's our homecoming this week. So. Okay. okay. Um, what else? I actually went to school for music. Not in my field at all. I'm a concierge, mm. but I love service. And so that's why I'm in like the perfect field. Um, serving mm. others and then even when it comes to ministry it's perfect field for serving wow. so but i do like to sing i like to write currently working on a blog right now i used to um have a blog called straight talk for christian women but i kind of stopped doing that mm-hmm. um, so like i guess i would say i'm a writer um i'm into fashion i'm silly but most people don't get to see my silly side <laughs> you'll probably you'll probably hear that a little bit today so all right, all right cool cool so i guess could you tell us a little bit about when you got married and you know just kind of give us a frame of reference you know sure, like sure. how long ago did you get married um got married december 2014 okay um so we would have been celebrating four years this december okay how long have you guys been separated it's almost been a year actually wow. i mean okay. it's been a year since we physically separated because mm-hmm. we were um we were homeless in new york last year and then he stayed in new york and i came home to my parents august 31st so it's been a year since we've been like physically separated oh, wow. but okay. as far as like marital separation it'll be a year on the 18th of this month okay and so that's another thing is like your story has a lot of great detail to it and you guys have been on like quite a journey in Mm -hmm. a very short amount of time yes i guess like we could just start there like what's the story okay you know because you just already mentioned like being homeless in new york it's like you just casually threw it out right right. what (laughs) you know that's actually kind of where it starts so like my journey to freedom actually started when I came home from being in New York. How do I start? Like, well, I guess like, how'd you guys end up in New York? You okay, know? So we have been staying with my parents mm-hmm. um, since we got married. My dad and my husband were bumping heads, so mm-hmm. my husband decided let's just go off on our own, and that's how we came homeless initially in this area. So we just, oh, okay. you know, he decided, you know, and I, I followed him because I, you know, wanted to trust my husband, you know, mm-hmm. be that good wife. Right, you mm-hmm. got this, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I followed him or whatever, and God took care of us. We never were on the street. We never were hungry. We were in like um, hotels and Airbnbs. Wow, it was actually. You know, apart from, like, some of the things that were going on behind the scenes, it was actually a very liberating experience hmm. to, like, really just not only just trust God, but even to trust my husband in that aspect. Because yeah. you kind of, like, I don't know, as a woman, it really does take, like, pressure off you to just be like, you know what? This on you. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I trust you and, yeah, you got this. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You were saying that your process of freedom actually started after coming home mm-hmm. from new york okay yeah so throughout my marriage i always noticed ironically that when we were separated i had a sense of clarity mm. but i didn't understand what that was i just knew that like the sun was a little brighter the mm. sky was a little bluer mm. um i just felt freer i felt more of myself wow 
it's kind of weird. Like when we were together, there was like a cloud, like a dark cloud that just mm. kind of like hung over me that I didn't know, always notice while we were together, but I noticed its absence. And so I came home, you know, started feeling better because um, I struggled with like depression and anxiety. I, you okay. know, I struggled with you know, my mental health. Now I understand why. But um, hmm. so I started to notice some of his behaviors that I didn't quite like or that were kind of like disrespectful, like, mm-hmm. you know, passive aggression, like. Um, we were, our relationship consisted of us being on the phone. So, you know, he would like, you know, get really quiet. And I would ask like, hey, are you okay? And he's just like, yeah, I'm fine. And I'd be like, okay. But, you know, we're, we've been, at this point, we've been married for like three years. So I know when something's not right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or almost three years. Um, but I would just kind of brush it off because at that point, I guess I had already been like conditioned to just kind of like think I was reading into things. So I was just like, okay, whatever. Mm. But I just remember this one specific day. He got quiet and then he was like, I asked him, you know, is everything okay? He was like, yes, fine. And then later he told me that there was an issue. And I was like, well, I asked you that earlier. Like, you know, so it's like little things like that, that are kind of like on the surface, you won't look to think and say that or see that this is a problem because it's so minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But over time, it, it just, it really does something to your mind. Um, you got so me was, sitting here thinking like, dang, I do that a lot. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually passive aggressive and it's mm-hmm. not always an evil thing. Sometimes we just do it because we don't realize, we don't know how to express what we want right. or, you know, our feelings. Even I can be passive aggressive, like you might do something to me and instead of expressing, hey, I didn't like that, I yeah. might just get quiet and mm-hmm. we're... Uh, we're sensitive people, so sometimes we can sense that. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just best to just say, hey, this is what you did and I didn't like it. Okay, but yeah. when it comes to abuse, that is used as a tool to control. So it's all about the intent. Like, uh, yeah, so we can okay. be passive aggressive just because we don't know how to express how we feel, or we can be passive aggressive because I want you to feel that I'm upset <laughs> and yeah. I want you to, you know, and I want you to do something about it, but I'm not going to tell you to mm. do something about it. Wow. Um, yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. It was little things like that. And then one day he actually like cussed me out, like, mm. like through text message, like, you know, calling me like an effing cancer. And I was just like, whoa, this is like not how you talk to me. I'm your wife. Like, right. Um, and then when I, you know, would address the behavior, it would get flipped back onto me. Like, so like one of the things that he will often say a lot of times is like when I would address certain things that I didn't like, like, Hey, you know, it made me feel a certain way when you cursed at me or when you called me this and when you did this. And his response would be like, well, you didn't ask me how I felt as to why I said that. Or uh, you didn't ask me, you know, what my intentions were. Like my intention wasn't to make you feel that way. Um, that's not even like a, no. a mm-hmm. common Mm-mm. train of thought. Yeah. yeah, yeah but there's a, a reason behind that though. And it's, and I'll get into it, but okay. there's a reason that it is, there's a reason behind all those things. And so it, it would make me stop and think like, oh yeah, dang, he's right. It, it takes you off the, the focus of you just disrespected me and we need to address the disrespect. It's a diversion tactic basically. Cause now okay. you're thinking like, oh dang, I didn't. What is his intention behind why he said that? When really it doesn't matter why he said it. Yeah. It's the fact you that he it. said it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, me wanting to be, you know, that submissive wife mm. that, you know, respects her husband and considers his thoughts and his feelings, I would be like, oh, well, what, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? And then that's mm-hmm. when I would get shifted over here. And now we're talking about something different. And how you disrespect me is no longer in the topic of discussion anymore. And so when we were together and things like that would happen, I would get confused and I would get diverted off the topic and frustrated. But when we were separated, it was kind of easier 
to kind of like see through those things. It would still affect me, but yeah. it was easier to kind of like be like, no, something is not right about this. Yeah. And so um, one day we had a conversation and this was like a, the pivotal moment for me, the pivotal moment for me. Um, mm. We had a conversation where I was addressing some of his behaviors, some of the things that has, you know, things like that, like, you know, mm. passive aggressive, you know, disrespecting me or whatever. So this is, these are things that he would be doing like, yeah like it was yeah it was it started off subtle within the marriage like it Uh started off with like what they call emotional blackmail where you just you get quiet you go soft in the corner and when the person comes to you oh what's what's the matter nothing oh something's Mm. clearly wrong because you're sulking in the corner but okay yeah Yeah. but then it would turn into like oh but you don't like so when i would leave you in the corner to sulk and get your feelings together because it's okay if you want to be in a corner and sulk everyone deals with their emotions differently right but then when i would leave you in the corner to sulk now it's you don't care about me Mm. you know but but Uh, when i asked you what if something was wrong you didn't say anything like what do i do i don't know what to do yeah (laughs) um so it's like you know start off as like little subtle things like that mind little mind games yeah essentially they they were Mm -hmm. mind games that you can never really figure out right i can never figure it out i just knew something was wrong Mm. um i cut you off so mm -hmm. you were saying like there was this pivotal moment Mm -hmm. yes so the pivotal moment no no it's fine (laughs) so the pivotal moment was i was just addressing certain things to him you know that i could see wasn't quite right okay and so he was just like you know, you've been accusing me of being controlling our entire marriage. Mm. You need to figure out why. Because at this point, I was already conditioned to feel like everything was my fault. I was already conditioned to, you know, tell him everything. Like, my thoughts were not safe. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Yeah, like, this... I, there was no safety, even in my own head. And that's another story that maybe I can oh go into God. detail with. So I had already, like kind of threw out to him like i feel like you're controlling other people have you know brought to him i feel like you know that you might be controlling yeah um so he oh, was just other like, people mm-hmm. had oh yeah that's it? a part of the story too mm-hmm. okay that kind of helped me yeah so he was just like you've been accusing me of controlling you for the last three years of our marriage you need to figure this out you need to figure why why you know why you feel like i'm controlling you okay. and so in my mind, I'm just like, okay, you know, you're right. Let's figure this thing out. So he was just like, you know, I'm going to give you a few days to figure yourself out or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, bet that's a, a break for me. <laughs> like, and that's what I'm thinking about mm-hmm. on the inside. And of course, I would never say that to him. Mm-hmm. But on the inside, I'm just like, ooh, that's good. I can have some days to myself. Yeah. <laughs> I have to deal with this foolishness. And so he did. He didn't talk to me or he didn't call me for like a day. And I really believe that I was the problem. So I went wow. soul searching. Jeez. So I was just like, okay, God, like, you know, I started thinking about, you know, various things that made me feel like he was controlling. So I thought about like, you know, how he interfered with my mothering and how I nurtured our daughter. Mm. Um, he's, you know, he, there were certain, and I, I tried to respect him as a father, but there were certain things that he just interfered with as far as like, as a mother and my child is crying, let me nurture her where he didn't want me to always nurture her um, mm. when she was like an infant, infant. Like, this is a baby, baby. Like, okay. it's not like she's a toddler and yeah. she, you know, she's at that stage now. I was like, dang, I kind of really need my husband right now. But, you know, we kind of like, yeah. you know, I can't have that. But when she's a baby, baby, they need the nurturing. They need to be picked up every time they cry. They need to hmm. be, you know, mm. you know. So it was like things like that. What else? He was, made me feel guilty about things, certain things I would eat. So we kind of like agreed to like be vegan, but mm. I didn't always want to eat vegan or I didn't always stick, you know, I have a problem with self-discipline sometimes. So I didn't yeah. always do it, but there was just like this underlying guilt associated with not following the diet. And I always felt like I had to like 
tell him when I ate outside of our agreed wow. diet and I would be criticized or sometimes it was different. Sometimes he wouldn't criticize me. Sometimes it was okay, but I always felt like I had to ask him, can I eat this or can I eat that? It was really yeah. weird. Like little mm-hmm. things uh, that you would kind of think like, so I guess. <laughs> I, well, I want to ask, I just want to like dig a little bit because mm-hmm. I think what's interesting is you're talking about a lot of the specific things Mm -hmm. that he would do as you continue to listen to this episode you're going to see like a lot of these personality traits Mm -hmm. you know kind of be grouped together Mm -hmm. to where you could say okay all right i can see that this person you know has this type of personality or something like that right Mm -hmm. but i kind of want to dig into like when you say he made you feel guilty about eating certain things Mm -hmm. i think it's like it's important to maybe ask how Mm -hmm. he would make you feel guilty Mm -hmm. or like how that guilt came about Mm -hmm. because i feel like you might feel guilty because y'all made an agreement right right. we ain't gonna eat no chicken (laughs) you know right right but then you might feel guilty because he's like you know, you know, like, why are you doing it? Like, mm-hmm. you messing up. Like, we said we was going to, you know, right, we right. had weight it goals. Sense. Like, right, it right. could be mm-hmm. the way that he went about it that is abusive, mm-hmm. you know? So what, like, what would he say to make you feel That's guilty? a very, uh, a very good question because I think the reason why abuse is such a hard topic to discuss because there are certain things that are just like, not normal relationship things like it crosses like abusive relationships yeah. and healthy relationships it's kind of cross yeah. yeah there's very a very fine very line. fine line yeah. so while one woman may confer with her husband about what she eats and it may not be abusive this other one over here it might be abusive you know wow. it's like it's really yeah. there's a yeah. really fine line yeah. um but to answer your question I can't say there was anything specific that he did it was more so a combination of things mm. that kind of made me feel like I need to do this or like it's that's like abuse is never just like this one it's a gray area it's not black and white it's never yeah, black and yeah. black and white it's, wow. it's a gray area so his behaviors how can I explain it I think it's a combination of my own issues uh-huh. that made me vulnerable to be able to manipulate it in that way yeah. like with, when it comes to abuse as an abuse victim if you want to be set free you also have to take responsibility to how you give your power away over to people wow. it's not always just the person taking your power like yeah. abusers they take power but you also give it you away give it. Yeah. so hmm. i guess like what um what i'm thinking about right mm-hmm. now right it's like keywords you're using like manipulation you got to really pay attention mm-hmm. to that right it's yeah. like you're being manipulated against your will mm-hmm. to give into the will of another person mm-hmm. i feel like that's a really good like definition as far yeah. as like how to view this mm-hmm. right because you know, like we were talking about the vegan thing. Like mm-hmm. in one scenario, you have an agreement and it's like, right. oh, you're breaking the agreement. Mm-hmm. But then in another scenario, it's like, you know, maybe you never really wanted to give up uh, whatever right, you're eating. Right. But now he's trying to manipulate you into doing what mm-hmm. he wants you to do that mm-hmm. you're not really in agreement with. Right. Something like that. And I think right. that that's a clear differentiation of mm-hmm. like what is normal mm-hmm. and then what is abusive. Yeah. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. That was <laughs> perfect. Apologize. No, that's fine. That was perfect. Yeah, so it's just like you, to the piggyback off, you were saying like the mm-hmm. whole manipulation, because he was not consistent with his like reactions or responses. So mm. some days, you know, I might eat whatever I want to eat and it's just like, why don't you eat that? You know, it's not that serious. And, yeah. and, and it, I really don't, I want to say it really wasn't so much about the food. It was about just his behavior in general. Like I felt like, I couldn't really be open and honest with him. Hmm. And on the one hand, that's a me problem. That's why I say abuse is so confusing. Yeah. It's so it's that fine line. On the one hand, it's a me problem because 
I should have that boundary where you're going to accept me for who I am. And if you can't accept me for who I am, then we don't need to be together. Right. So that's the boundary that a lot of abuse victims don't have. And that's what sets them up to just kind of like be put in that place to just go to be partakers of their own mm-hmm. manipulation, basically, because yeah. now I'm going along with something that I kind of not necessarily that I don't really want to do because I did really want to be a vegan. I just didn't have the self-discipline to stick yeah. to it. Yeah. But now I feel guilted every time I'm not sticking to it. There were other instances where I was guilty. Mm. This will kind of go into another way that I was like, I guess manipulated or using guilt trip. And this is very, it's a very, I guess, touchy topic because it has to do with sex and marriage. Okay. So, there's such a thing as marital rape and you wouldn't think that there is such a thing as marital rape because when you're married it's like well your body belongs to me and my body belongs to you but there's this like this fine line where Mm. if a a husband or even a wife decides to take that or make you feel bad or guilty for not wanting to give it then that becomes manipulative so there was this instance within our marriage where i always felt like i had to satisfy him sexually and if Mm. i didn't want to or even if i did do it and i didn't feel into it like there were were instances where i just gave my body because you know i'm his wife and i want to give but if i wasn't into it it was a problem like there was no there was Uh, no he would say you're not into it yeah like there was no like i appreciate the fact that even though you're not into it you're still willing to give me your body that was like you need to give me your body you need to be into it you need to right so Mm -hmm. it was like because of that that whole level of guilt it translated over into other things such as the food like so that's kind of how i was trying to explain it like there i can't say that there was anything specific that he did when it comes to came to the food like he didn't beat me whenever i didn't eat you know certain things but it was just like because he handled certain things a certain way in other areas it kind of bled over into how i carry myself in other areas which painted the picture or helped create the type of manipulation that I mm. experienced. So uh, if that makes any sense, I hope yeah. I... No, no, it makes you know. <laughs> sense. And all I'm thinking of in my head is like, for instance, like if I desire something mm-hmm. from my wife, mm-hmm. right? I have two ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. Probably more, but I'm just going to mention two, right? I can mm-hmm. either encourage her mm-hmm. or, you know, do things to, to make her desire or want mm-hmm. to do what mm-hmm. it is that I ultimately want her to do, mm-hmm. or I can try to force it, mm-hmm. Right. From the sound of it, and I'm, I just keep summarizing abuse because I'm trying to get a good definition in my head too, mm-hmm. right? But it's like, I'm trying to force you to do the things that I desire, mm-hmm. whether or not you're into it, whether or not you care about it, whether or not you're, you mm-hmm. desire it. Like, it doesn't really matter how you feel whatsoever. Right. Mm-hmm. You just I just want you to do what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly. like this manipulation into control, mm-hmm. right? And right. that the means by which that happens... Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this guilt-laden approach. Right. You know, because I feel like, like a bad wife if because I'm not into yeah. it. But now I can't get into it because now I'm thinking it's it's so yeah, many yeah. so many different things that just all add up. Yeah, I mean, mom. like even with the I, I'm gonna keep going back to this, but like the the vegan thing. Yeah, it's like either I can say, hey, babe, come on, like you know, we can do this. Like mm-hmm. we got this. We know why we doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, we we yeah. got these goals. I can make you feel encouraged mm-hmm. to do it uplifting mm-hmm. right i can i can support you mm-hmm. or i can beat you down about it mm-hmm. right and i think that's where yeah. the abuse part creeps yeah. in it's like come on man like yep. you you said this you know and, and hey, you slipping like come on let's mm-hmm. let's get on like yeah. why you keep mm. why you letting me down like this mm-hmm. and you know what you you really ate that chicken mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and 
I'm making light of it, but mm-hmm. it's like it's that subtle of a yeah. thing. It's like I can mm-hmm. really beat you down about something, yeah. you know. But ultimately, he really wants to see you on the same page. But mm-hmm. the approach is everything, right? Right. right. You know how people say, mm-hmm. "Well, it's not what you say; it's how, it's you, how say you say it." it. Mm-hmm. So it's the means by which you approach something mm-hmm. and try to accomplish something that matters yeah. more than anything. And like, and I want to clarify that he never like. You know, like never, I can't really say he really ever got on me about the food. The type of abuse that I really experienced was psychological. Mm-hmm. So psychological abuse is all subliminal. So that's why it, there are certain things that I may try to explain that may be really hard to verbalize mm-hmm. because it's not like I was beat every time I didn't do something. It's not yeah. like mm-hmm. I was hit every time because those are like overt. That's an overt form of right, abuse. Right. But psychological abuse is really subtle. You don't. Mm. You don't understand why you feel a certain way. You just know you feel a certain way. So you yeah. you react a certain way. But I do remember getting back to my pivotal moment. And because I'm going to kind of like jump ahead and kind of backtrack. That's the reason, the way I know that the food wasn't a mechanism of control. When I did realize that I was being abused, I'd stopped I stopped eating the way we say we're gonna eat con- mm. entirely. I was just like, oh heck no, now I'm about to eat whatever I want. So I was eating like bacon sandwiches like every day. <laughs> bacon sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, I sure was. I mean, I'm not supposed to be eating meat because it bothers me, but I was just like, oh, you okay. know what? I don't care. Mm. And so I remember telling him about it, and we actually got into a conversation about me eating what I wanted to eat. I was just like, you know, this is just what I want to eat. And he was like, well, you didn't talk to me about it. Like, you didn't talk to me about yeah. why you're eating this. Um, wow. Like we agreed to do this, this, and that, and now you're just changing it up. He was like, "Who empowered you?" I was like, "Wow!" Who is this? Like, who says that? Like, yeah. who empowered you? Like, so you mean well, that I didn't have power before? Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, but that's kind of like jumping ahead. So mm-hmm. it's like little things like little that things, that you know yeah. on the inside that this is being used as a form of control. But if you try to explain it to someone, or if someone on the outside is looking in, they be like, "Girl, you tripping? It's not that serious." Yeah. Wow. No, it really is. Like. The little things is what makes the whole. Yeah. Ooh, I think what else is interesting about this conversation is I'm starting to hear ways maybe I even need to clean up hmm. the way I communicate. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, you know, I'm, I'm I, what I don't want to do is sit here like, oh, yeah, well, I got this all figured out. I'm not, you know, abusive in any way, shape or form, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, not totally non-manipulative here. <laughs> You know, because as she's talking, I'm learning about certain things that I may be doing in my relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's why I think this is helpful to everybody who's listening, right? Is you can catch yourself Mm -hmm. and say, oh, that's not even right. Yeah. You know, let me, let me clean this up. Let me fix this to make sure that my marriage doesn't take Mm -hmm. an abusive path. Yeah. Yeah. Because I even had to check myself. Like when Mm -hmm. I began to learn what abuse was and getting into like the spiritual aspect, what witchcraft was, because abuse is essentially witchcraft. Mm. Um. I began to see how even I was acting in manipulation, how I could be manipulative yeah. in, a, in a different way. So it was like, it was a really self-check for me. No one is immune to, you know, trying to force their will on another. It's more so about the intent and are you willing to change once you realize that's what you're doing? Wow. Yeah. Wow. But to kind of like get back to the story of, because mm-hmm. I was talking about like the pivotal moment of when I really began to realize I was in an abusive marriage he agreed to give me that time off so I could figure myself out. Okay. And so I was talking about, you know, the different things I started to think about that made me feel like I was being controlled and mm-hmm. the food being one, you know, how I was able to mother. My daughter was another. And then I began to think about what other people had said to me about hmm. 
my relationship looking on the outside in. And I know within marriage, it's really tricky because it's like you want to keep people out of your marriage. You don't want people yeah. saying certain things. Wow. But then there are situations where sometimes people really can see certain things that you can't see because yeah. you're in the middle of it. So mm-hmm. like my mom, you know, she would say, you know, I feel like your husband might be a little controlling. But my mom was all about marriage and she was for us. So she wasn't really like... You know, I think you need to leave him or anything like that. She was just mm-hmm. like, I think he might be a little controlling. That's something we need to pray about. My mom mm-hmm. is a prayer warrior. Wow. So yeah. she's like, we need to pray about that. My pastor at the time before um, we went to Bethel, D.C. 360, I was going to Friendship Church Outreach Ministries with Dr. Bonnie. And okay. even she pulled me, she told me not to marry him. That's another that's another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like there were people on the outside yeah. that could see like, I don't know about that. Huh. But, you know, she, you know, would tell me. I said, you know, in love though. You ain't hearing that. Right. No. And yeah. then <laughs> there's another spiritual aspect of it. Mm. Maybe we can talk about this another one. But, okay. you know, I really believe that God had told me that he was my husband and there's a reason why I really believe that and it really had to do with you know some spiritual things that were going on that yeah so that's where like the spiritual warfare comes into play breaking on generational curses but um Hmm. so you know I thought about the reasons why she felt like I was you know why he was controlling and then like my friends and so I started thinking about all those things and then I thought about the one instance where it did get physically abusive in New York and even that when you're because he never hit me, like kicked me, he was never like overtly aggressive. It was kind of easy to like shrug what he did off. Yeah. So there was a night where um, we were having an argument or whatever. I still ended up arguing, even though I was, I mean, we were talking off the camera about me not wanting to like be argumentative because of how I grew up, but I still ended yeah. up arguing, <laughs> right. ironically. But we had gotten to an argument and I was just like, I want to, I told him I want to wait until the next day to finish this conversation because you know at that point i felt i think i was starting to feel more confidence in myself but i was always Mm. afraid to like express myself even with him talking with him made me feel really nervous and anxious especially when we were going back and forth because essentially he would never he could never admit to anything or he could never see (sighs) his Like, I I was always the one seeing my issues and seeing what what I was doing wrong. But he could never, like, come to me like, you know, babe, like, you know, I was wrong. I did this. I did that. Mm. Or maybe we can work on this together. It was was always me. I was always the problem. Mm. Um, So I was just like, you know what? I don't want to have this conversation anymore because I feel really on edge. Oh, and it had to do with the fact that I had talked to one of my friends about him. That was another issue of, like, control. I always felt like I had to tell him about every conversation that I had with someone about him. Hmm. And it was to the point where if I didn't, I would have literally have an anxiety attack. Like, like was I, he saying, I guess, like certain things? So you know, the way that, that came pressure. about, the that, the that pressure came about, like I said, there was always, there was already within myself a fear of people, like a fear of wanting to be a, like a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. So that kind of contributed into me not wanting to make him upset. Okay. And then how he would behave once he got upset, you know, that also contributed because he was kind of intimidating, but not always, not necessarily aggressive with me. Like he would punch walls. He would get like really angry and oh, kind of wow. like make me feel like maybe he could hit me, yeah. but he would never actually hit me. Mm-hmm. So those little subtle things, they do matter and they do play yeah. in your mind. And so one time something came out that I had told, shared with a friend that he didn't want me to share, which I was wrong to share. So I can admit that I was wrong to share it. But the way, once we had that conversation, I felt compelled to share everything that I had ever spoken 
mm-hmm. with another person about him. And it's like within marriage, within marriage, it gets really tricky because on the one hand, you shouldn't be like going to other people about, you know, certain things within your marriage. Yeah. But our marriage is unhealthy. So mm-hmm. there were times when I needed an outside opinion wow. because I didn't yeah. understand. What a, what a great point. Yeah. There were certain yeah. things I didn't understand. Like, is this normal? Is this okay? Like, yeah. I feel like I'm being smothered. And I didn't, and it was like, how do I manage this as a wife? Like, can I even with with counseling? There were certain things that I didn't feel comfortable sharing with a counselor, someone I should be able to be open and freely with. Because yeah. then I felt like I had to go back home and tell my husband what I said, and I don't yeah. want to tell him that I said this about you that you get on my nerves, and I feel like you're smothering me and you're needy, and I just can't take it. Yeah, <laughs> like right. that's yeah. not things that you want to share with your husband. Right. So it's just those were certain things. Those were things that I didn't say or if i did say them to someone i didn't share that with him because i'm trying to think about his feelings and that you know hurt his feelings right right so when that came out that i did share a specific conversation you know that i had with a friend i did share something that he didn't want me to share Mm. that was like ammo to get me to tell him about everything Uh, you know so it's like it's one thing to like you know be like you know what babe i'm sorry i I shouldn't Mm. have shared that but now it's something completely different where now you got to share everything. Yeah. Now you got to go back and you got to be like, well, yeah, I said this and I said that. And then the way he reacted, you know, there was a combination of like anger and unhurt, of course, which in your natural mind, it makes sense for him to be hurt because, you know, you feel like you've betrayed him and he feels like he's betrayed you. So now you feel guilty and now you feel like, like dang, now I can't talk about him at all. And if I do talk about him, I got to tell him, I got to confess. Like, mm. it's like little subtle things that mm-hmm. play into like how you get manipulated because there are some good things in this mix up and then there uh-huh. are some bad things. Like, you should be able to be have to have discretion as a wife to not share certain secrets about your husband and about your right. marriage with others. But then you also should be able to have that person that you can confide in, you know, that you can um, get counsel from. Get counsel yeah. from, and I couldn't really get counsel not without feeling guilt. Guilty. So that hmm. created this dynamic of anxiety with like. It started with me, you know, talking with other people and then it translated into my own thoughts. Like now I can't even think negative things about him. I can't even think Mm. certain things. And now I'm obsessing over my thoughts and Mm -hmm. I can't think straight. It's just it's so many things. I was living in a I was living in prison in my own head. And so to fast forward to that conversation when it did become physical. So at that point, now I'm trying to manage okay, what do I tell him? Like, do I tell him this? Do I not tell him this? And I was always contemplating, like, you know, how do I move within this relationship? So I was just like, you know what? Tonight, I don't want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> I want to I want to go to sleep and we can talk in the morning. And he was not having it. He wanted to talk. And so it started off with, like, him playing music out loud. And you think, you know, oh, that's nothing. Just ignore it. And so I was just like, you know, I asked him, I was like, well, do you mind? He never listens to music when we go to bed, though. That's the thing. Okay. Like, he would watch TV, so he, I, I could go to sleep with the TV, but he would never play music. And so I was just like, do you mind turning the music down? No. Okay. And so I was just like, well, I knew at this point that I can't change another person. I can only change myself. Mm-hmm. So I went to go get tissue and put it in my ears. I go to sleep. And then he comes and takes the tissue out of my ears. And I was just like, do you have a problem? I was like, no, I just want to go to sleep. Mm. <laughs> I mean, he's just really adamant about like wanting to talk. And so it begins to escalate. He comes around and 
he takes my phone and like erases the social media apps off my phone. He's just oh, like, you okay. know, I don't want you on social media. You don't need to be on there. And on the one hand, I'm just like, well, you just did me a favor because the Lord was trying to get me off of social media anyway. <laughs> so kind of justifying, right? Yeah, trying to rationalize, trying to justify the behaviors. Yeah. Um. So I just like, okay. And then you know. He gets on YouTube and it's just like, well, he makes a video. We're not going to do any more YouTube videos. And, okay. you know, for me, at this point, I'm now trying to manage my feeling of powerlessness because I know that there's essentially, or I feel like essentially there's nothing I can do. Mm. One, he's my husband. Two, you know, I'm already a passive person from yeah. the beginning. And then throughout our marriage, I've already been trained to not push against him to just, I won't necessarily say stay in my place because he was never that like, oh, you're a woman, you need to stay in your place. He was never yeah. like that. Yeah. But, you know, my um, understanding of how, you know, the Bible, that submissive woman, you know, yeah. I just never really tried to like push. I just felt kind of powerless. So the only way I can kind of like feel empowered is to just remain calm and just be like, well, it doesn't bother me. Oh, I don't care. You know, you know, you know, if, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. So. He did that, and he saw that that wasn't bothering me. That I was still like, I don't want to talk. I'm going to bed. So then it escalated to pulling me out of the bed and then mm. restraining me in the corner of the room. And I'm just like, babe, I want to go to sleep. I want to go to sleep. No, we're going to talk. We're going to talk. I need you to talk right now. I need you to talk. And I'm just like, I understand your frustration. And for some reason, I just knew, like, on the inside, I want to be like, ah, get off of me. Like, yeah. stop. But I just knew, like. Don't do it, Tanger. You got to stay calm. Yeah. You, mm -hmm. like, Because that would escalate the Yeah, situation. that would escalate the situation. Yeah. You just got to stay. But even in that, I didn't know that that was abuse. I just mm. thought he was just, I guess at this point, I was used to his, like, many temper tantrums. So mm. I was just like, he's just behaving like a child. So I just got to treat him like a child. No, you can't have this right yeah. now. No, wow. I'm not. We're not going to have this conversation. I love you. I understand that you're upset. But no, we're not having this conversation. Mm. And he would, like, flip back and forth between, like, getting really angry and then like pleading with me, but he's never lost his cool. And that was alarming to me because usually when you see like abuse, it's like, a, you know, the guy just like loses his cool and then he's like really angry and just storming. No, it seemed very calculated, like huh. angry. I'm like, first I'm angry, now I'm okay. And like, now I'm sad and I'm pleading with you, now I'm okay. Like, it was just like very disorienting. Yeah. But I was just like, no, I'm not, we're not gonna have this conversation. So then that escalated to, him dragging me into the shower and we always slept naked so he pulled me into the shower and turned it on cold and was holding me in the shower wow. and i was just like wow. if you don't let me out of the shower i'm gonna scream and luckily there was a security guard outside the door and i think that was a setup from god like because mm -hmm. only i don't know how far he would have taken it if we were by ourselves yeah. but i was just so like it's almost like you guys were in the perfect place for this situation to go down yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and for it not to go too far like god was right. looking out for me because mm -hmm. i mean the security guy was outside of my door not anybody else door wow. and that's what i used i oh told him gosh, yeah. yeah i told him i was like if you don't let me out this shower i'm going to scream and yeah. the security guard is sitting outside the door wow. um so he let me out and then he you know put me on the bed and i wish i could remember what he said to me i really don't i just remember the way it made me feel mm. it made me feel whatever he said to me and that at that moment when he was on top of me on the bed made me wonder if he would be capable of taking my life that was the, i think the wow. first time that really that fear was really like yeah. at the forefront and hmm. the back of my mind i always kind of wondered like i wonder if we ever lived on our own if you would be abusive like i always had that thought in the back of my mind but i never really wow. acknowledged it but in that moment that was the first time that i it brought was brought up to the front like whoa this is like real and but then i guess like up until that point you guys had been with your parents yeah at one point, yeah so there was only but then, so much he could do without yeah. 
you know, without it being so too much. So never truly alone in your own home. Mm-mm. Wow. Nope. Yeah, so, New York wow. was the first time we were semi-alone. Yeah. But even then, God said us covered because we were in a homeless shelter. The security guard was there. Incredible. So you still can't do too much. Yeah. Um, wow. But after saying that, and he probably saw the, I don't know what was going through his mind. I don't want to mm-hmm. say he probably saw the fear in my eyes. But whatever, um, he quickly retracted it. Like, whatever he said that, you know, yeah. invoked the fear. He retracted it. He was like, I'm just playing. I would never do anything like that. And that's kind of how abuse works. It makes you feel okay. Like, oh, okay, it's not that bad. Like, mm-hmm. And that's how, you know, you, that's how you stay in it. That's how women stay. Because the abuse, abusive men or women, they're not all bad all the time. Right. Or you would not stay. So It's like abuse and comfort and abuse and yeah, comfort. Yeah, and that actually, there's a psychological thing that's taking place within uh-huh. you when that happens. It creates an addiction within you. But that's... A lot. Mm. We can talk about that later. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Man. Um. Yeah. You essentially become addicted to abuse. But um. So that happened, and then the next day, I remember, I knew that what I experienced was abuse, and uh-huh. I, that was the first time I ever thought about calling a domestic violence hotline. I was like, dang, I need to call. Yeah. But I had been already been conditioned. I was just like, if I call, I gotta tell him I called. I can't do that. If I huh. or if I call, oh, because I be, not, not be, because like there was a literal like you had to tell them, but because of all uh, the psychological wow. things and emotional things that made me feel like I had to yeah. tell him. Oh yeah. My gosh, yeah, and then so it was like if I call, I gotta tell him I called, and I can't do that. Mm. And then I was like, or you can call and keep it to yourself. And I was like, I really can't do that because then that would provoke you know anxiety. Like I was Oof. literally having like anxiety attacks from trying to keep stuff to myself. So yeah. I was just like. I just can't call. <laughs> so I didn't call. And then he apologized. And that was the first time he had ever apologized for anything. So that created that like that relief effect. Like, yeah. okay, it's gonna be all right. We good. Like he apologized. Mm-hmm. It's never gonna happen again. We can move forward. Mm. And so getting back to that pivotal moment, mm-hmm. I thought about that. Your brain has a way of trying to protect itself by living in denial. So I still didn't be like Mm, this is abuse. It wasn't until I called the domestic violence hotline and I shared with them that experience, all the different things and conversations that I had with him. And they kept saying, gaslighting. You're being gaslighted. You're being gaslighted. I was like, what is that? Yeah. Gaslighting. Okay. Yeah, that? I've never heard that word before. That mean? So gaslighting, how can I explain it? It's based off of a movie, an old movie called Gaslighting, where oh, the husband, okay. he was literally trying to drive his wife insane. And the way he was doing it was, this was during a time when they had gas lights, which is called gaslighting. Okay. And so he would dim the light and the wife would notice it. And she'd be like, babe, you know, the light is being dim. It's, it's getting dull. And he'd be like, no, it's not. You're just... You're seeing things. You're crazy. Like, so when someone's gaslighting you, yeah. And so she was literally losing her mind because she's seeing the the lights being dimmed, but he's telling her, no, it's not. You're crazy. Like the light's not getting dim. And I'm I'm sure there were a bunch of other different things that he was doing. Yeah. But gaslighting basically is like, is an insidious form of manipulation where the person, yeah, where the person gets you to trust their perception yeah, over yours over your own, over your own. Oh so like gosh. when it, when we went back to that conversation where you know he cussed me out and i'm just like that's disrespectful and he's like well you didn't ask me how i felt that's gaslighting because now you're yeah. shifting my perspective on the fact that you just cussed me out to know now you're overreacting you're yeah. you know you didn't think about me you didn't think about you know why mm-hmm. i said such and such, such and such or whatever and so now that puts me in a position to not trust my own thoughts yeah. my own feelings now i have to rely on you for your perception and your reality which now distorts reality uh, 
And so you're just living in a hellhole because you can't see clearly because you can only see through the perception and reality they give you. And you drive yourself crazy or you're driven to be mad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So that's a lot. I hope it made sense. No, it it makes we following. It makes a lot of sense. I guess what I want to ask is like, um, if you were to talk to somebody Mm -hmm. who I guess wants to be aware, right? This is all about awareness, right? Mm -hmm. So, what other like I guess like personality traits or characteristics, like red flags, yeah, like like red flags, kind of like to tell you that this person might be abusive. Are there certain personality traits? I remember seeing you talk about narcissism before, mm-hmm. like certain personality traits that lend themselves mm-hmm. to, you know, an abusive mm-hmm. personality. Yeah. So, um, and we could just start with narcissism. Like what mm-hmm. is, what is narcissism and how does that play a factor in an abusive, you know, relationship mm-hmm. from what I've researched and I won't, I'm not an expert on narcissism and I'm by no means calling my husband a narcissist because that mm-hmm. actually has to be diagnosed by a psychologist. Okay. But I did delve into or dive into like narcissistic abuse and it's basically a fancy word for psychological manipulation. It has to do with like certain personality traits or characteristics within a person who's extremely self-absorbed. Okay. But it's it's really, it's, not, it's, a, it's deeper than just being self-absorbed. That, like a lot of articles, a lot of people now kind of use narcissism like, like, haphazardly like for like people who are always posting things on social media or you're not okay. like no it's really a lot deeper than that okay so to kind of answer your question um as far as red flags you can look out for someone who is an abusive personality type or potentially um narcissistic i would say um arrogance is a, a very big red flag okay. because someone who's um narcissistic they are entitled they they have to create this false persona of themselves so it's really a cover-up like from what i've read someone who's narcissistic is really like one of two things they're either really broken on the inside Mm. and they've created this false personality to kind of like make themselves feel good about themselves and that puts them in this like entitlement mentality where like everyone else is beneath them or they're just spoiled and they've used to they're used to like getting everything they want and so being spoiled also sets you up to be arrogant and entitled and feel like everyone else is beneath you because you always get what you want no one ever tells you no so you feel entitled to have whatever you want so see this is uh i'm just gonna be transparent right (laughs) like i've been through a period like before coming to christ for Mm -hmm. real right calling myself a christian but before my true walk started right Mm -hmm. um i went through a period of that where like i had i didn't even recognize until you mentioned like you're broken, you're hurting, mm-hmm. but you're covering it up, mm-hmm. right? With like this extreme, mm-hmm. like pride or, yeah. you know, this, your the presentation of a solid character. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I was trying to make up for things that people had said about me, things that people had done to mm-hmm. me. And I put on this facade mm-hmm. of, you know, I, you know, I'm good. Um, everything is, everything is perfect mm-hmm. all the time. And you know, my perspective on life is right and mm-hmm. I'm right. And, you know, yeah. like I remember my wife, because it was early in our marriage, she would try to present things to me about mm-hmm. myself and I would just kind of shun her off. Mm-hmm. Like, nah, you're wrong. You don't really know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, I got this figured out. I got mm-hmm. this, you know, and I would, I was extremely dismissive of everything mm-hmm. she said, you know, and mm-hmm. I remember her expressing to me like, you know, you don't really even consider mm-hmm. what I have to say, but it's because of mm-hmm. that arrogance that mm-hmm. you know that um I, I would honestly say like i feel like that was narcissism like you couldn't tell me anything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and it was like deep rooted to the point where 
you know, I, I'm pretty sure it was it was not until I really came to Christ that mm-hmm. I was like delivered from that right. attitude. Right. You know, yeah. deliverance but, definitely is a major. But it's like you're always but... right. Everybody mm-hmm. else is wrong. Yep. Nobody can tell you anything. Mm-hmm. You know, and you won't admit to it. Right. At all. I, I will say that from what I've read, everyone can fall somewhere on the scale or on the spectrum of narcissism or having narcissistic characteristics because it's essentially selfishness and pride. Everyone can fall on the scale of having narcissistic traits but when it be when it's like high up on the scale that's when it becomes um just completely self-serving and abusive and people who are really high on the scale um can't usually don't come back from it because it's like it has become a part of their personality that's when you get into someone who's actually diagnosed with like narcissistic personality disorder yeah um so yeah so to like kind of piggyback off what he's saying like because even i can identify certain prideful narcissistic things about myself but a person who is not on high up on the scale they can like at some point they so they can be presented with that the information and change it has to do with you know being able to be humble mm. and unfortunately um, a lot of abusers and narcissists and i personally think that a lot of abusers are narcissistic i, I think they might not be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder specifically yeah. you know based off the dsmv5 but to me it's, it all looks the same to me but yeah. i'm not a professional so <laughs> Nah, I mean it's it's like the Bible how it says uh <clears throat> excuse me it says the men uh, I forgot the scripture where it's located but it says like men will become lovers of themselves yes. like their own ways. Yep, and Second Timothy the third chapter. That's actually where go. I found it in the Bible. I was like, okay. oh my gosh, wow. like this personality trait or this char- these characteristics there in the Bible. It's even in yeah. Romans one, like mm-hmm. all of that, and it's it's crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. like this is so here. when you. Because obviously there are women and men that are going through this stuff right yes. now. And you you brought up the word submission and how you want to be a submissive wife. And mm-hmm. you were, you know, the Bible, there are various scriptures about like wives submit to your husbands. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, obviously your submission wasn't like a healthy submission. Mm-hmm. So what is, uh, and I don't know if you've even, do you know what a healthy mm-hmm. submission is now? Mm-hmm. Or are you still finding Mm-hmm. out what that is or? i'm i'm still finding out what that is because mm-hmm. like you know as someone who's gone through abuse you have to go through a healing process so mm-hmm. you know i've gone through that i think i found myself in that process where it's just like submit what you mean like you know like you can kind of like if you're yeah. not careful you can get caught up in pride yourself and then you become right you can become mm-hmm. the abuser a lot of a lot of women who stay in abusive relationships often become abusive like to their own children it, it can really change mm-hmm. your your perception and change your personality certain things imagine. in the bible can become offensive like sometimes i even now have to like the lord is really dealing with me now because cert- there are certain things in the bible that offend me because of my experiences yeah. um, and so he's really dealing with me like really teaching me that what real submission is and mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that i probably won't really get a chance to really relearn it until or unless i get into another marriage yeah that's why i asked really. you like do you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah okay and i think it starts i think submission has to start with having um healthy boundaries before you get married so mm-hmm. that you can make a good choice of who you're going to marry mm-hmm. so that you can actually feel comfortable submitting to that person because like for example when i'm before i married my husband I already knew that there were certain things that we weren't in agreement mm-hmm. on, but I was just like, oh God, you told me to marry him. So you're going to change him. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, baby, don't do that. Uh, if you can't, if you can't see yourself submitting to him where he is or yeah, if you can't see yourself submitting wow. to him where he is, when you meet him, don't do it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Like a lot of people would say, 
you shouldn't divorce, mm-hmm. right? God hates divorce. They'll mm-hmm. mention that, throw that scripture out there, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a scripture, it's in mm-hmm. the Bible, right? Yep. But in an abusive situation, mm-hmm. how do you, like, what, what argument do you present to, I don't even want to say what argument, but mm-hmm. like, what scriptures do you present to support, mm-hmm. you know, that you really shouldn't stay in an abusive mm-hmm. marriage? Um, what did you lean on, I guess? So I can tell you my process of what I went through because I was someone who didn't think I, I didn't, I didn't agree with divorce. I had a very, um, I guess you can say a very rigid idea or picture of, of divorce. Like uh-huh. it shouldn't happen. Um, and then if it does happen, you can't remarry. You just short basically. Yeah. <laughs> and it's ironic that I, I really felt that way. Um, but God, he used that. He used that to deal with me. So when I first realized I was in an abusive relationship, abusive marriage, I was just like, nope, God, I didn't sign up for this. I'm done. I want to walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but because of my views on marriage and because I, you know, I try to stay, you know, aligned with the Bible, you know, I went searching in the scriptures and I was like, and I had, you know, a friend at the time that was just like, no, baby, you can't just walk away from, you're married. You're not, in a, yeah. you're not like in a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. You're married. So I was just like, okay, God, what do I do? And I did see that he did allow me to separate. So mm. if any woman that's in an abusive marriage, my first advice would be to separate. Because mm-hmm. in 1 Corinthians 7, it does say that you can separate. You just can't remarry. At the at the initial stages. Like, I'm trying to walk you through my process okay. of, like, how God okay. do things. Yeah. yeah. So I, that was the first thing that I saw. Like, oh, what Paul, you know, advised the woman who, if she's married to an unbelieving spouse... You know, you can leave. Mm-hmm. You just can't remarry or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, separation, that's cool. That's biblical. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord began to deal with the issues of my heart. Uh-huh. So this is this is a very pivotal moment for me in that issue. So I didn't think I could remarry. So I thought, I felt trapped. You know, it's like, uh-huh. dang, like I'm in this marriage. Like, it's abusive. Like, how you want me to just stay here? Like, this don't make no sense. Like, do I got to deal with this for the rest? You know, all these questions. Yeah. And so in my mind, I had two options. I was just like, okay, God, I can stay in the marriage. You know, at this point, I'm thinking that I can't remarry. I can't do nothing. So I'm just like, well, God, I can like go back to him and just stay with him. So I don't be alone Mm. or because, you know, it sucks. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have a family. Right. right? And so I feel like that's taken away from me. And I was like, or, you know, I can keep my freedom Hmm. and I could just serve you for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I was at a crossroad. Like, am I going to choose my desire for marriage and not being alone over just my service to God. Wow. And in that moment, I was just like, God, it's going to be me and you because I'm not doing it. Wow. <laughs> it's going to be me and you. But that showed me the place, the idolatry that I had in my heart for marriage. Hmm. That I had that, you know, you could potentially be willing to put marriage over your relationship with God and it wow. shouldn't be that way. Right. God, it, you know, the Bible says that we ought to obey God rather than man. That mm-hmm. includes your husband. Yeah. Um, you know, if he's telling you to do stuff that is contrary to the word of God, then no, you have to stand on the word of God. There you go. Wow. So um, I was just like, I'm not going to subject myself and my child. So it was another thing. Like, mm. it's not just me. I really believe that I didn't. Ha- if I didn't have my daughter, I probably would have stayed. I probably would still be in that marriage right now. Wow. But I was just like, am I really going to let my daughter think this is okay? Am I going to let yeah. her see me go through this and then she repeat the process? Right. No. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So she was really my, like, driving force. Like, no, something has to give. Uh, and that's, so. That's, that's so, um, that's such an, an awesome answer. 
It's like, because you're, you're considering, it's not just you that's affected, but generations behind you that are affected. Yeah. Because I was able to see how I was affected by the generations before me. Yeah. Um, and what I was willing to accept. And then, so then it was just like, okay, you know, then there's the issue of like forgiveness, like, oh, God calls Mm. us to forgive. So you should just forgive it. But then as I began to read the scriptures, I began to see that, um, I want to say it's in Matthews 18. Yeah. Matthews 18, 15 to the 17. It talks about, or 15 through 17. It talks about how you handle offense in the church. Yeah. So first you go to that person and you mm-hmm. tell them, Hey, this is what you did. And this is how I feel like you, you know, this, that's what I did. I went to my husband. Hey, I talked to a counselor. I feel like they told me that, you know, you're abusive and mm-hmm. this is this and that. And, you know, we, we had that conversation. Of course it's like, no, I'm not abusive. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then the second step is, you know, they say, you take someone with you. Um, and then now that one can get tricky when it comes to abuse because not everyone can see how you're being abused. And yeah. so sometimes the person that you take could potentially be manipulated. But this is just the process that I went through. I, I, I was fortunate enough mm-hmm. to have someone who could see what I was going through was my mom. So mm-hmm. when the last time that we... Um, he came to visit, which was last year around this time, me and my mom confronted him about mm-hmm. his behavior. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is what he did and this is what we feel like is going on and blah, blah, blah. So that didn't work. And then the last one was like, take it to the church. (laughs) But I would not advise that. So luckily I had pastors who were, um, who were wise enough when I went to them and Mm -hmm. I told them, you know, I want to talk to you guys with my husband about, you know, what was going on. Mm -hmm. They were like, we can't do that because that might put you in more danger. And that was Mm. the wisest answer. Couples counseling is not advisable when you're in an abusive situation. Mm. Um, Not just because the counselor can be manipulated, but because, because of the volatile nature of abusers. So if you get with that abuser into that counselor, and you begin to share certain things. Abusers don't, they can't look at themselves. They can't, they almost, I won't say they can't, they just really don't want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they, they're, they oftentimes so prideful that if you begin to point out certain things, it'll make them angry. Right. Mm-hmm. And that right. angry, that anger can cause you to be, when you yeah. get home, yeah, yeah, you might be mm. in trouble. Wow. So a couple's counseling is not advisable. And wow. I thank God that my pastors knew that. And so they yeah. did not have me follow that one out. But this was just me trying to be biblical, trying to follow things, you know, yeah. the scriptural way. Yeah, and I like um, I like that you made a differentiation between like just sin in the church and an abusive situation. Mm-hmm. Like the two are to be handled. With yeah, separately, differently. Different, Abuse yeah. has to be handled very carefully. It's mm-hmm. not like wow. um, it's abusive relationships. You can't even handle them the way you would handle like a healthy relationship that's just having mm-hmm. issues. Yeah, it's something completely separate. And so that was the next thing that I did. Uh-huh. And then you know, the more I began to understand like abuse i read this one book called um why does he do that by lundy bancroft that really blew my mind as far as like the mentality behind abuse because a lot of times we think oh he just needs some love you know maybe he got some mama issues god sent me in his life Mm. to like love on him and Uh. no baby Mm -mm. it has to do with how they think not necessarily how they feel and you can't change how they think they have to change how they think and so that really helped me to be like so this is a, a him problem, a him issue. Like he needs to be willing to put in the work mm-hmm. so we can fix it. So as the Lord began to deal with my heart, you know, he began to give me tools through my research on how I could see if our marriage was salvageable. Like if I really could, mm-hmm. if we really could change this. Cause I mean, initially no one, I don't think anyone wants to just like call it quits on their marriage. You want to see if we can work it out. Right. Well, I was ready to call it quits at first, but the Lord dealt with me. Hmm. And so I just presented him with some some tools that could help us get back on track after doing research. So I was hmm. just like, okay, you know, you say you love me, you say this and that. So let's, if you do, then let's go to 
counseling, you go to counseling, you go to, you know, regular counseling, like, cause there's like batterer programs you can do and they'll really deal with the guy or woman okay. on their mentality or whatever. Then I was like, you got to go to spiritual counseling because, you know, you say you're a Christian, so hmm. you should be willing to do spiritual wow. counseling. Yeah, wow. Um, and then at the time he wasn't working, he really hadn't been working the entire time during our marriage. Kind of like he wanted to do his own thing and I wanted to support what he was doing. But at this point, I saw in the scripture where it says that if a man can't provide for his household, then you're worse than an infidel. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, wow, like the Lord showed me how I was enabling him to be able to sin against me and his daughter. So mm-hmm. just like you need to get a job and wow. be able to take care of yourself. Yeah. And I was like, and you need to apologize to my family because my family welcomed you in our home. And then this is how you treated her, your, their daughter. And it's like, you treated my family. So you need to be able to apologize. Yeah. And long story short, he couldn't do those things. Yeah. Not for me anyways. Like he's on his feet now and you know, he has a job or whatever, but um, he couldn't do those things for me. Right. And so that lead led me to, the whole thing with divorce like mm-hmm. how did i come to terms with that mm-hmm. i had a a false understanding of i think it was a, a scripture in matthews 19 a lot of people say that um that jesus said that you can get a divorce for sexual immorality or in the kjv says fornication mm-hmm. and i think i heard one pastor interpret that as being like if she if the woman was not a virgin and she said that she was a virgin and then you married her and then you find out she wasn't a virgin, then you could divorce her because fornication in a sense is sex outside yeah. of marriage. That's, and an, so, that's, script, that's a scripture that says that. Yeah. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that was my initial understanding of it. Like, and so I was just like, well, that's not my case, you know? Mm-hmm. So I guess it doesn't apply to me, but I really began to dig deep into, um, the, the word that was used. It was, um, pornea. So, hmm. um, so I began to like look at the words. So I was like, okay, so pornea is is um, translated as fornication, and then this other word it starts with an M. I can't think of it. It's translated as adultery. So I'm thinking like, okay, well they got to be separate. So this doesn't really work for me. This isn't this doesn't set me free. Mm-hmm. So I'm just stuck. But then I looked at Galatians five where it lists the um, the works of the flesh and it says adultery and fornication. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at the um, I have a, a lexicon I think it's called a concordance or whatever yeah. where I go look at the like the Greek and the Hebrew words or whatever, and I saw that the word pornea was used. And the word pornea was tra- the word used to translate both adultery and fornication. It weren't it wasn't two separate words that were used. Uh, and so I was like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. And then I saw in 1 Corinthians 5 where Paul was addressing an issue of adultery, but it was translated as fornication. So in 1 Corinthians 5, there's an issue where a man is sleeping with his his father's wife. Mm-hmm. That's adultery because she's married. Okay. But he translated it as fornication. He said it's translated as fornication. He said that there's fornication going on in the church that's not even heard of with the with the Gentiles, whatever. Mm-hmm. And this the word used there is pornea. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh wow. So I guess that word really is used interchangeably between adultery and fornication mm-hmm. and really is like a grouping of sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. And so I came to that conclusion after my husband confessed to committing adultery. So I was just like, well, this sets me free. Wow. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And for, you know, women who do want to stay, you know, biblical, I would say in most cases, if you separate, they're most likely going to commit adultery because 
they're selfish. They can only think about themselves. So they're mm-hmm. going to please themselves, especially yeah. especially if that's their area where they struggle the most. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're and I just don't believe um I also did like a lot of study as far as like culture, like how did the Jews handle this? Because, you know, at yeah. the end of the day, you know, I wanted to remain biblical and I wanted to understand like how how did they the handle these issues? And, and they actually it really depended to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um depended on certain rabbis like they had no clear cut mm-hmm. this is what you do for this issue and i really think it's a, it's a matter that falls under the grace of god and yeah. the intent of your heart like are you able to su- really submit this issue to him and allow him to work it out however he's going to work it out whether that means he has you stay separated for a time period before he allows you divorce like mm-hmm. allow him to really work it's it's not it's not cut and dry yeah. you really can't go to a person and say oh he um abused you divorce him because you don't know yeah. all of the you don't know all of the the what's really going on you don't know what god is trying to accomplish in that person's life Amen. but you can say you can separate that's in the bible that's scriptural wow. you should not subject yourself to abuse yeah. um and then I also want to talk, touch on um, that scripture in First Corinthians, no, First Peter two, because actually that scripture is often used to keep women within the church in abusive relationships. So First Peter is talking about how you handle yourself with forward or abusive or aggressive situations. So hmm. first, and I want to say First Peter two is talking about how you handle like an aggressive master. And you're a servant and it says that, you know, you should submit to them yeah. and, you know, do it un- as unto the Lord or whatever. And then you mm-hmm. get into first Peter three, where it talks about, you know, the husband and the wife, how you, you know, your meekness and your calmness can win over your husband or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to submit, you're um, supposed to carry yourself uh, as Sarah's daughter or whatever, yeah. Yeah. not adorning yourself with like plaiting of the hair, but a new meekness or whatever. Right. And so that scripture is used to keep women in a bond in yeah. abusive situations because yeah. it's like, oh, well. You know, you just got to endure it and maybe you can save and win him over. Maybe you can win him over. But I saw this and this thing really set me free. And I'm going to read it in the KJV and in the Amplified because the Amplified is what really opened my eyes. This scripture actually sets women from in abusive relationships free. Wow. Um, the, the scripture is used to bind is the one that sets you free. So, okay, so it's First Peter 3, likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wise. Skipping mm-hmm. down to 5, for after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their husbands. So that's what they use. Uh-huh. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. That last part is what really sets you free uh-huh. and are not afraid with any amazement. Mm-hmm. So Amplify, what does it say? This is verse 5 and 6. For in this way, in former times, the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands and adapting themselves to them. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, following him. Oh, so they're explaining following him and mm-hmm. having regard for him as the head of their house, calling him Lord. And you have become her daughters if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So if I'm submitting wow. to you because you're abusing me, I'm not being a Sarah's daughter. Wow. Yeah. I'm actually disobeying God because most likely you're going to tell me to do something against what God said. That scripture set me free. Like that has nothing to do with abuse or enduring abuse because it says as long as you're not afraid or amazed with any with any you know frightenment or um with any fear yeah and i was just like fear is not of god no yeah and i've always been under the understanding that like a husband uh, or a wife rather should submit to their husband up to the point of like sin too Mm -hmm. because you see even in acts like uh 
uh, Ananias' wife was like punished for following yeah. him, you oh. know, when yep, he wanted to withhold the life. money and lie, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. And also, uh, it makes me think of that scripture that says, like, the head of every woman is man, the head mm -hmm. of every man is Christ, the head of Christ is God. Mm -hmm. But it's like you were able to clearly see that it wasn't really like Christ that was leading, mm -mm. you know, like right. your husband. And that's mm -hmm. the thing. So it's like, how do you submit to a man who's mm -hmm. not really in adherence with that order himself? Mm -hmm. You right. know, yep. you kind of, everything's out of line mm -hmm. already. So you can't yep. really follow him wow. into mm -hmm. and it really, sin or whatever. Because some people say, well, maybe if you just be more submissive, maybe he won't abuse you. I can I won't, I won't say I was a perfect wife because I was not, mm -hmm. but I did try my best to be that submissive wife, and it was never enough. Yeah, right. it was never yeah. enough. Wow, I feel like that's the thing with abuse. There is, mm -mm. there is never enough. No, there's never. So I'm sure that like your your story is amazing, like captivating. There's power and testimony in your story and everything. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that there are. We we probably want to have like an ongoing dialogue <laughs> with you about this stuff, yeah. you know, because um, so there's so many facets to it and you're still in it right now because, um, you know, your divorce is still like mm -hmm. going, you're still going through the divorce. Mm -hmm. It's not final and all yeah. that stuff. Um, but I guess up, up to this point, what are, what would you tell uh, someone who is, you know, in one of these relationships and who, who may be feeling that fear um, and you know, are there resources for mm -hmm. them? Um, can they reach out to you mm -hmm. personally? Like wh where would you okay. lead them? Yeah. Yeah. So as far as like reaching out to me, um, you can find me on Facebook at transparency saves lives. I have a, um, a private support group that you can join. Wow. I'm um, called transparency saves lives support group. You can also email me at Tangier, uh, T A N G I E R E at TransparencySavesLives.com. Nice. But then, as far as like resources, I would definitely advise anyone to call your um, the domestic violence hotline wow. because they can they can put you in contact with your local resources. So wherever you are and within the United States, um, mm -hmm. if you're out of the country listening to this, then you would have to go to you know whatever international resources that you may have, yeah. which you can find online. I found everything that I found, I found online. Wow! So the domestic violence hotline, they can give you your local resources. If you live in Maryland, DC, and even Virginia, then we have the Family Crisis Center in PG County. That's where I did group counseling. Okay, and that was really helpful. Um, we have the House of Ruth. That's in DC and in Maryland. Yeah, um, that's where I've I get individual counseling. That's been really helpful. The Family Justice Center is where you can get legal advice. I'm mm -hmm. um, right at the PG County Courthouse. And then if you are there, um, I want to say, I believe the House of Ruth Family Justice, Family Crisis Center, they have shelters. Okay. And I think it's another one. The District Alliance for Safe Housing, they do transitional housing for women escaping um, wow. abusive relationships. So there are, yeah. the resources are there and they're like, yeah. they're active. They're going to, something's mm -hmm. going to happen when you Yeah, make but you also have to be yeah. willing to advocate for yourself. Like, right. like I had, you have to go to these different places, but yes, there, the resources are there and it's all, all free. Yeah. I like, I like the fact too, that in, well, well, what I'm picking up from you is that even though you've gone through this uh, experience, you don't seem jaded toward God. Mm -hmm. You don't seem jaded toward marriage. You still understand that he has like a good purpose in marriage. And mm -hmm. I even just feel in my spirit that you, you know, that you probably will get married again someday. Mm -hmm. um, are you battling with those thoughts yeah, of marriage like, and I, stuff like that? I feel like I think I'm at that place because I fight for that. Like, I, I don't want 
this year, this summer specifically, I I have gotten a little jaded towards God. Like mm. I have had issues with like like I mentioned earlier, like with the idea of submission. But mm-hmm. because of what I know, I know that I just can't afford to go to allow myself to be wrapped up in bitterness and resentment. God has been my only lifeline. So wow. how does that? What does that look like for me to like turn away from Him after yeah. all that He? Now, I, not that I haven't considered it because I really have, but in the moments where I've considered it, he just shows me his love and kindness again, where Mm -hmm. he like, just for example, just recently I was taking issue with the Bible and you know how women were treated in the old Testament. It's really hard as a a woman living in the 21st century to kind of see the laws and some of the things, how they treated women back then, Mm -hmm. just so many different things. And I was just like, God, I don't know about this. Like you allowed this, like what is like, you don't seem like the same God. Like, are you the same God? Like, you know, and I was just like, I don't know about this. Like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And I was on my way to church and this guy was on the bus and he was just like, I had seen him before and he was pretty talkative, but he was talking to me. He was just like, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but everything that you went through was not for you. Right. And he was just like, you know, whenever you feel like that, that darkness creep up on you don't give into it and i was like oh my gosh god you still love me like yeah, that like you yeah. still care and i was just ready to like give up on you and so it's like things like that yep. that just make me be like i can't give up on god not when he's never given up on me Absolutely. and so i fight to be like god this is what your word says this is your order i need to adjust to it not trying yeah. to adjust it to me Absolutely. <laughs> and that's hard yeah. but it's a fight yeah that old testament will definitely have you oh, looking like you what up. was going on <laughs> yeah yeah. But it's like you were saying earlier, it's like we're under the new covenant now. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a that's a whole topic in and of itself mm-hmm. of like really, really, truly understanding what that means, yeah, what this new covenant is. Myself. Yeah, it's so much to it because the wrath of God is not upon us anymore, mm-hmm. you know, so. But that's awesome. Uh, we are going to wrap it up. <laughs> we will put all of her information into uh, the either our blog post on our site or on a uh, Instagram post. Um, but yeah, it was great having you on, Tangier. Thank you for having me. All right, peace. <laughs> Thank you guys for checking out this episode of the Word in the World podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and repost with the hashtag, the Word X the World podcast. Also, we'd love to hear from you, so please send your questions, comments, praise reports, and testimonies, basically any and everything. We just want to talk to you guys. Send everything to contact us at thewordxtheworld.com. Have a great week, and be sure to check out next week's episode. Peace.